Welcome to an encouraging word from Pastor Elliot Warren from Cross Culture Church in Houston, Texas. Today I'm going to be talking to you about uh, spiritual momentum, how to get spiritual momentum and increase because God wants us to increase in the things of God. You know, if you're in the if you're living in this life, there's something about the way we're wired. We always want to have increase. Um, you can go to any country and people are okay as long as they think they can do better than where they are today. You can go to the most poor country and some people who are the most poor, if they feel like they're going to be able to do well and do a little better tomorrow than they're doing today, there's something they feel good. They're happy. And uh, I believe that's the way things are supposed to be in the spirit. We're supposed to be increasing continually. There's not like, oh, I got saved. Oh, um, yeah, I had an encounter with the Lord uh, 35 years ago, gave my life to the Lord. Well, good, but the, the, according to what the Word of God says, um, we should be continually growing, uh, going deeper in God, understanding the riches of God at a new level and a new depth, if you want to say it that way, and entering into the experiences of, uh, of relationship that are greater and greater. And so today I want us to look at some keys to spiritual momentum. Um, and what that means is, you know, rather than like having a hit and miss thing, I have a mechanic here with me, you know, you, I know like if a motor's not running right, you might get it at work. You probably have sometimes where you get a car fixed and, then some, you know, it's, it's back in the next week, you know, it's not running right. Um, but God, God wants us to be able to run right and to, to get momentum you know, to, to be able to get up those hills and <laughs> to get to the place where we really have a lot of steam behind us. Um, and, and there's some principles of, of this where we not only get, but we get in an increasing way. All right. So the first law I want to talk to you about that's in the word of God that I want us to learn to apply to our spiritual lives is the law of sowing and reaping. Now, um, you might have heard of this law. I'll just mention it uh, and go over it logistically or in how it works, uh, and then we'll get into the spiritual part later. But um, the law of reaping says pretty much that you reap what you sow, you reap more than you sow, and you reap after you sow. And I could say it this way, you reap in the season, at the right season, at the right timing, after it grows, not immediately after normally. Um, some things do grow quicker than others. But anyway, so we see these points mentioned in various places in Scripture. But um, Galatians says this, don't be deceived. You reap what you sow. Um, He doesn't say you're going to reap something different than you sow. (laughs) No, he says don't be deceived. You reap what you sow. So um, if you plant a kernel of corn, you're not going to reap a watermelon from that, are you? you? Anybody would ever expect to reap a watermelon from that? No, you're going to reap what, what you sow, right? You reap more than you sow. So if you plant that kernel of corn, are you expecting uh, a stalk to grow up and there's your kernel of corn back? No, right? You expect when you do something, when you, and you know, think of if, if you've never seen this, let's say, for example, you're an alien from some other planet and this doesn't even work. They don't have any kind of plants and they come here and they're learning, and you say, here, you can eat this. You have some corn left, but you need to stick some of it in the ground. So, And he's going, what? I don't know what. Stick it down there. No, it's going to die, and it won't be any good. And he's he like, no, it works. It's an amazing thing. If you plant this one thing, see, to, to, to all of us, it's like nothing because we see this all the time. We just know it works. But I'm trying to say, imagine if you've never seen this happen before, and you've got seeds and you're you're um, in a place where, you know, you only have a limited amount. It would be, I mean, it would be a stretch for some for for you to believe that's actually going to do what somebody says. I mean, that's an amazing thing. You put that one thing in the earth, and you're going to get a whole lot of it back. You see, I hope you can grasp. I mean, what an amazing thing that is. Again, we see it all the time, so we take it for granted. But it's an amazing process that God's given us. So anyway, you plant that one thing and you reap 
much more back. That's how the law of sowing and reaping works. And you reap after. Okay, you're not going to reap because I'm a good person. You know, you can't go out into your field and look for corn when you've not planted any corn. You have to have planted corn and you're going to reap sometime after. Uh, Paul says, in due season, you reap. It's a, there's a timing to reaping, a timing to when it's going to come. Now, we all know these things work with natural things. Um, but Jesus, what I mean by natural things, I'm talking about corn, agricultural things. But Jesus wanted us to know, and, and he mentioned this law many, many times in various ways. But he wanted us to know that the law of sowing reaping doesn't work with only agricultural things. It works with everything. And he said it in many places. Um, one, one place, he, he said it very clearly, is in Luke um, chapter 6. He says this, Give, and it's going to be given back to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together. It's like an abundance is going to come back to you, right? He says, you give, and it's going to come back abundantly back to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Will it be put into your lap? For with the measure you use, with that measure according to what you use, it's going to be given back. So if you, if you plant a little, so to speak, you're going to get compared a little back. If you plant a lot, you get a lot back. That's, that's sort of what he's saying there. Paul said it this way, if you sow sparingly, you're going to reap sparingly. If you sow bountifully, you're going to reap bountifully. Now that is an amazing thing. And I like to mention because this is interesting because Paul was actually talking about finances. People don't like for us to mention finances. Oh, you're talking about, well, that's exactly what Paul was talking about, sowing finances. And you can sow that in so many ways, but be a giver. And he's saying if you sow sparingly, you reap sparingly. If you sow um, bountifully, you reap bountifully. But it's not just finances, it's in everything. Paul was talking about this when he's talking about, uh, excuse me, Jesus in that, in Luke, he was talking about, I believe, judgment. You know, if you sow something bad, you're going to get something bad back. If you sow bad attitudes, you get bad attitudes back, <laughs> given back unto you. The, this principle works in a lot of ways. And Jesus taught us and brought to mind this law of sowing and reaping because he wanted us to take advantage of this law. He wanted us to be aware that this is a law that works in all things, and he wanted us to take advantage of it. He wanted to, us to utilize this law in more things than just planting corn, you see? And I believe he also wanted us to be careful <laughs> to not have this law go against us, meaning don't plant evil things don't plant gossip, don't do, you know, don't cheat, don't whatever, because whatever you are doing, you're planting. And the word of God says, in some way, that's going to come back to you. That is really an amazing thing, isn't it? Paul taught about sowing and reaping. He goes, it's not agricultural only. And that's where he goes, don't be deceived. You're going to sow what you reap. Excuse me, you're going to reap what you sow. I said that backwards. Then he teaches us and he says this. Sow to the Spirit. And you will reap back from the Spirit. Now, I like this because we've been talking. You know, what I'm talking about today is spiritual momentum. If you sow to the Spirit, you reap back from the Spirit. But you don't just get back what you give, you get back multiplied what you give. And that is an amazing thing. God blesses us and multiplies back. I've heard this and it's so true. You can't outgive God. And when you give to the Spirit, you sow to the Spirit in whatever dimension what you're doing, it comes back to you and God multiplies it. You get back more than what you gave to Him. I like this little example it just came to my mind. I've shared this before, but you know where Peter... 
It's just one simple little thing. Peter's there. He's got his boat. He's got his boat clean. I don't know if you know, he. I don't think he knows who Jesus is at this time, and um, he loans Jesus his boat. If y'all remember, then G, you know Peter. Uh, Jesus takes Peter's boat and he preaches. And after he gets, preaches, what does he do? He, he tells Peter, "Go out there and go fish." What? Go out there and go fish. And so Peter catches all these fish. You know, we don't normally think that those two things are connected. We just talk about the fish story. But I think it's interesting that in a little measure, Peter sowed into the ministry of Jesus. Here, you use my boat. He finishes what he's doing and he says, now, you know what? Take this boat and go back and go fish. (laughs) And he comes back with all these fish. I believe we have to remember all these little things come together. You give to God. God's going to bless you back so much more. It is an amazing thing. Okay, so anyway, these spiritual things work. And Paul's saying, so to the Spirit, you're going to reap from the Spirit. He is telling you he wants you to take advantage of this spiritual kingdom law that if you will sow to the things of God and to the Spirit, you're going to have it multiplied back to you from God. People go, well, you're doing that for selfish reasons. I don't care. The Bible says do it. The Bible says expect to be blessed back. You're going to get back. The Bible says when you give and you bless a man, don't expect to get back from him. But he says you can expect to get back from God. Some people say you shouldn't do anything expecting to get back from God. Well, God shouldn't have told us to expect to receive back from him then. He told us over and over, you're going to get back. Paul says here, give because you're going to get back. Expect God to bless you back. <laughs> oh, you're just giving to get. I'm not giving to get from a man. I'm, but I do trust God's going to bless me back. Because he said, and he said, how about it in Malachi? Give and expect back and even test me in this. How can you test God in something if you're not expecting it to come back to you? Does that make sense? But the test means you've got to expect it's coming back to you. <laughs> Don't be so religious you X out and nullify the Word of God by your religiosity. That's exactly what people do. Anyway, now, if you won't increase in the things of God and in the blessings of God, you need to make a decision. If you want spiritual momentum, you've got to start sowing to the Spirit, because if you sow to the Spirit, it's going to come back to you. This is just one dimension that we're going to talk about here, all right? So the question might be, how do I sow to the Spirit? There's so many ways to do it. It's so um, diverse, okay? Um, Every time you obey God, every time you do right, you're sowing to the Spirit. Every single time you make a decision to do right, you're sowing to the Spirit. When you do right, and it's not easy to do right. You don't want to do right. You don't feel like doing right. How many of you have ever been like that? You know you ought to do something, but you don't feel like it. Your flesh is going, oh, you don't have to do that. Oh, you don't need to do that. Oh, you don't have, you ought not to do that. But you know you ought to do it. Have you ever been like that? Well, when, when you make yourself do what you know God wants you to do, That is a greater level of sowing, and there's a greater blessing in doing that than something that you ought to do that's just easy to do, okay? Now, it says this in Matthew 5 and in Luke 6, If you love and bless others who love you, what reward is in it for you? Now, should you love others that love you? Of course you should. That's the right thing to do. But he's going, that's so easy. There's nothing to that. That's just a normal thing everybody ought to do. But then he goes, but love the people that hate you and that persecute you and your reward, your reward. What's the reward? It's what's coming back to you from what you've done. It says your reward is great. You see, when it's difficult and you don't feel like doing what you're, you, you, you know what God wants you to do, and you make yourself do it, that is a greater level of sowing to the Spirit. 
you're going to reap back in an even greater measure for that kind of thing. That particular example is really great, you know, because when somebody um, does you wrong, what we what he's saying here, I want is I want you to sow to the spirit. But how many people, when somebody does them wrong, they sow to the flesh. They get angry. They speak bitterness. They speak hatred. They begin to, to undermine and just let negative flow out. Now, I know sometimes we just need to share our pain, share what happened to us. But then we can allow that just to become bitterness and we just want to sow things and say negative things about people and pull them down and make you think badly about them, make you hate them the way we hate them, right? And God says, if you do that, you're sowing to the flesh. You're going to reap back from the flesh. That's a bad thing. Isn't it? You know what's so sad about that? With someone, I've seen people who had bad things done to them, and it's so sad that they're still under the power of that, and they have, the, it, it even, it begins, they begin to have a momentum in a negative way, because they, they get into it, and the devil uses that to cause them to start sowing more negative, and they end up reaping back more negative. It's a cycle. You ever see somebody in a cycle? It just looks like certain things just keep happening to them over and over, certain kinds of negative things, they get in a pattern. Well, you see, if you want these negative cycles to break out of your life, you have to begin sowing to the spirit and you have to break the power of where you've been sowing in the flesh. Sometimes the patterns of negativity that are happening in people's lives are because they've sown to the flesh or somehow they've been in a family that, that sowed to the flesh or something like that. And that needs to get broken. The power of that broken, repented of, and we need to begin to plant good things, sow to good things. Amen. Amen. Okay, y'all can just get excited and jump around or do whatever in here. We, we, it's okay. Psalm 126.5 talks about sowing in difficulty as well. It says this, those who sow with tears, those who sow with tears. Isn't that a strange statement? What does it mean, sow with tears? You're going to reap with shouts of joy. How do you sow with tears? It's not easy to sow. Maybe the guy has his corn. And he's going, man, I need to eat, but I need to sow. Because if I don't sow, I won't have anything to eat. I don't know. It's, it's difficult for this person to sow. He who sows with tears, that means it's not easy to do what you did. You, you really went through it for whatever you, you sowed to God, whatever you gave unto the Lord. Sow with tears. And what does it say? You'll reap with shouts of joy. And then the next verse says, He who goes out weeping, bearing precious seed. Oh. <laughs> you know, he's going to return with joy because of the harvest he's going to get. Oh, wow. That's so powerful. That's so powerful. God is saying, so to the things of the Spirit. He's not just talking about natural things there are other things so many other things you can do you can give to the needy um you can spend time praying for others you know i believe you know the bible says um god goes okay if you go and pray in secret i'm going to reward you i'm going to reward you what are you doing you're sowing to the spirit when you're praying because you're going you know what i'm not doing this just because i want to um i have to be honest with you um uh, I, I try to be faithful in prayer, but my flesh doesn't always just want to go, oh, I want to pray. I've learned to love praying. But even even after all these years, there's a part of me to get started. There's something that doesn't want to get started. But the, and the minute you get going, the, you know, as you learn your flesh, I don't think your flesh is ever going to want to uh, do spiritual things. But my point is, um, God said, if you Jesus said, if you'll pray, you'll be rewarded. Why? Because praying is sowing to the Spirit. You're, you're doing what something God wants you to do. Every single one of us ought to pray. And you ought to look at your life. And I just ask you, that's one of the things everybody ought to be doing, sowing to the Spirit. And I want to ask you, are you serving God in praying for others? Are you serving God in praying for His kingdom to, be, to come? You, you see what I mean? 
I don't know how we can describe ourselves as being spiritual whatsoever if we don't even pray. You understand? You see what I mean? That's like the most elemental of all things right there, to, to, to pray, to have a life of prayer where we're dedicated to it. And so that's sowing that you should be doing at some level every day. You should get up. You should pray. The, the, the Jewish people prayed uh, three times a day. And, um, you know, the, in the time of Christ, I believe it was, and uh, that came out of Daniel, uh, that he left that example. And you see, you see Daniel, a very busy guy, businessman, government official kind of guy, and he's praying. He's very regimented, and they knew this guy's going to pray. And by the way, what happened with Daniel? You know, Daniel starts out, he's not this spiritual guy. I mean, he's spiritual, but he's not, he's not hearing from the Lord and what whatnot. And, and uh, the king goes, all these wise people, these wise guys, he's all these wise guys, they can't answer my question. So I'm so upset at him, kill him. I just want you to kill them all. And Daniel is one of the wise men. And Yunya goes, ho, ho, tell him, hold on. And so what does Daniel do? He's never had a word like this before. He's going, God, God, help us. God, speak to me. Let me know. And what he had to do was, uh, this king goes, uh, first of all, I want you to tell me what I dreamed and then give me the interpretation. If he'd said, give me the interpretation, they could have fudged. But he's going, nope, you got to tell me what I dreamed too. And everybody's going, nobody can do that. And then, and then Daniel goes, hey, tell him to hold off. And what does he do? He starts praying. God, speak to me. God, give me a word. I got to have a word. Got to have a word. And guess what happens? He gets a revelation from God. How did it happen? Because the prayer came back to him. And guess what he did? He developed a rhythm of prayer. He began to pray three times a day. You see, once we begin to realize what's available to us in prayer and how God blesses it and uses it, we will have a disciplined life of prayer. Well, anyway, um, I just want to ask you before we move to the next point, what are you sowing to the Spirit? What are you sowing to the Spirit? And just, I want you to just answer that question to yourself. What are you sowing to the Spirit? Are you sowing anything? If you're not, you need, to, you need to wake up because any believer should be sowing unto God continually. Sowing unto God because what that does, it's, it works a process of stuff coming back to you. It's part of growing. It's part of entering into momentum. It all works together. It all works together. Um, so I just... Even right now, you know, one, one of the things that I've been thinking is how Christians have, get a case of, oh, oh, I ought to do that, and then they don't do it. So right now, I just want you to think, should you be sowing something? You need to ask yourself that question, and you need to make a decision right now. You know what? I'm going to sow. I'm going to start sowing in this area intentionally. I'm just going to make a decision to sow unto God in some way. I hope that all of you can do that right now and even write it down if it comes to your mind of how you want to sow because this is the thing that I believe is super, super duper important. Um, second key I want to mention um, to key to spiritual increase, and this is so important, it's actually connected with sowing and reaping. Um, and the second key is hearing. Hearing. Hearing is a key to increase in momentum. Listen to this verse. You know, I, I think we read this verse a lot and don't meditate on what it means. But think about this. Luke eight eighteen. Be careful how you hear. Think of that. Be pay attention to how you hear. Because to the one who has more will be given. There's that increase. If you get, if you have, more will be given. But for the one who doesn't have, even what he thinks he has is going to be taken away. All that's connected to hearing. Are y'all with me? All that's connected to hearing. Look what he's saying here. If you hear, then you will have. 
If you have, more will be added to you. Do y'all see, see that? If you hear, hearing gives you something. If you have what you've received by hearing, God gives you even more. Now, again, that's a very similar principle. But I, I want to explain what it means to hear. What does it mean if you hear, you're going to get, you're going to receive? Um, Romans 10, 17 says this. Faith comes by, what's next? Hearing. And hearing comes by the word of Christ. And I believe some manuscripts may say the word of God. Okay, so think of this. Hearing, that, does that not sound strange? You ever wonder, what does that mean? Faith comes by hearing. Hearing comes by the word. What do you mean hearing comes by the word? Think about that a minute. What do you think it means, hearing comes by the word? I believe one way to look at this is the word of God is what enables us to hear to see, to understand. Before or without the Word, we are still living in the matrix. Everything might look real. We might think it's real. It might feel real. But you are not seeing clearly. You're not hearing clearly. The Word of God is what enables us to hear. Are y'all with me? Our eyes open, our ears open because of the power of what's in the Word of God to bring enlightenment and light to us. Light is in the Word. You see? There's something supernatural in the Word of God that God has given us to come into our lives and to bring enlightenment, to bring light, to bring understanding, to bring truth. And until that happens, we can't see. We can't hear. We might impart. You remember if you watched that movie, The Matrix, I mean, like sometimes things are a little strange, like mm, something's not right here. Something to, you know, you, so the light might start coming on. But it's not until you experience the Word of God and it comes to you and you embrace it, boom, light begins to shine. And Paul talks about that a lot. God's called us out of darkness into the light how did he do that through the word of god that was light that we responded to anyway so let me read this verse again faith comes from hearing but hearing itself comes from the word okay <laughs> are y'all still with me is this all of these you remember peter one time said Man, um, these things Paul wrote, they're very difficult to understand. And this is, well, Paul didn't write this one, but I believe he actually he did. He did write this. I would, you know, it's like, it's almost philosophical, right? The ability to hear and see comes from the Word. But then he goes, faith comes by actually hearing. So, in other words, through the Word of God, and God's communication, enlightenment is, in, is there. When you get that enlightenment through God, through His Word, through His communication, it ignites faith on the inside of you. Do y'all see what I'm saying? So what is, again, the, the point here is when you go from just getting the word in your brain to getting the insight of it, the understanding of it. When every, whenever that happens, something happens on the inside of you and light comes 
faith comes, something ignites, you should say, I'm going to go into this word. I'm going to go into prayer time. I'm going to do whatever I have to do, but I'm going to get a word from God. It says in uh, Matthew 4, 4, man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And what that's saying is God wants to personally communicate his word to you. You are made to live off of that word. You're made to function from receiving that word. You see, that's how you are wired and you are missing something until that begins to happen. You're missing something until you're getting that light from the word, the light, which is life. Which, In fact, Jesus, I mean, he says, my words are alive, right? In fact, in Hebrews, it says the word of God is living and active. And Jesus says, you're made to live off of the word of God. So he said, what he's saying there is, we're not just natural men. We're also spiritual. And just like you need food to, for your natural bodies, you need food for your spirit man. The real man on the inside of you cannot live, cannot survive until you've got that food of the Word of God coming alive on the inside of you. It's not the dead scriptures that the Pharisees knew all the scriptures. No, it's not until the word becomes light to you and it is alive. Hearing comes through the word, but you've got to hear. The Pharisees knew the scriptures, but they never heard. Faith comes from hearing. And God's like, I want you to hear my word. I want enlightenment to come to your heart. I want it to burst inside of you burst open and explode and bring life to you and power to you man and i want to say if you've been made to receive the word of god you've got to understand this it's possible to happen every single one of us can get it but you've got to humble yourself if you think you know so much you're not going to get it if you go to the word of god prideful and you think you know all about life you're not going to get it you have to humble yourself before god ask god God, please speak to me. And you've got to seek God. And if you will do that, I guarantee you, you are going to begin to hear God. It's going to be amazing. It will make you leap and jump and be so excited because it produces life on the inside of you. Sometimes I've got, I mean, I've had some encounters with the Lord and just God would open up my eyes and it was like I would be feeding on the word. I'd be overwhelmed. My flesh couldn't take it. I just need to lay down. I mean, and I'd have so much energy on the, I know that sounds crazy. I'd have so much energy on the inside. I'd just go, I just can't, I can't even stand up. It's just too much. I know that you have to experience it. It's like, there's too much life on the inside of me. (laughs) You know, so God will give you these truths. And he says, if you get it, More will come to the one who hears, he's going to have. To the one who has, even more is going to be given to them. That's amazing. And there are too many people, they think they have and they don't. He says the one who thinks they have, they don't. Even what they think they have is going to be taken away from them. That's crazy. And I don't want to get into that today. But just for you to think about it. But he says, if you get in there, you want the word. Don't be one who thinks you've got the word. You need to know it. And when you know it, when you get the word, you know it. It's alive. I mean, it's like, wow. And oh, Jesus, it's amazing. You see the life that it produces on the inside of you. Anyway, how do you how do you get in? How do you get this to begin to happen? You know, as I, was, as I was just sharing, what you need to really do is ask God from a humble heart and, and seek it. There's a proverb. It's in uh, Proverbs chapter 2. I just will read this, and it's talking about this very point. It says, if you receive my words, treasure my commands, incline your ear to wisdom, apply your heart to understanding. Listen to this. Treasure. God's commands. This is what you need to do. Treasure the Word of God. Incline your ear. Pay attention to it. Look for something there. 
Apply your heart to understanding. Cry out for discernment. Cry out for insight. Lift up your voice in prayer for understanding. If you seek her as silver and search for her like hidden treasure. <laughs> Man, think about that. I'm, if, you had, if, if you knew you had um, you know, a gold bar stuck in your backyard somewhere, would, how would you look for it? You'd do everything you could to find it. You'd be over every square inch. You know, you'd have your whole family going, going from one end of the yard to the other. Okay, where is that? It, until you found it, right? And if you can't find it, then you're going to go to the store and go, must be under the ground. Get one of those little things. Go over the yard. Anyway, I'm just saying, he says here, um, search for it like silver and gold or silver. If you do that, then you're going to find the knowledge of God and understand the fear of the Lord. For the Lord gives wisdom. For the Lord speaks, and from His mouth comes wisdom and understanding. Do y'all see that? He says, if you'll ask and seek, and you have the right attitude of heart and you want it, you're going to get it. Isn't that what it says? Now there's a verse in the New Testament, Matthew 7, 7. And I believe this is primarily about spiritual things, but it applies to other things that you could be asking for, of course. But he's, Jesus says this, ask and you're going to receive. Seek, you're going to find. Knock, the door's going to be open. Again, I believe that should be applied if to no, nothing else is applied to God. You want more of God? Ask for it. You want to hear his word? Ask him. Seek, look for it. He says, you're going to get it. You're going to get it. If there's anything God wants to give you, it's his word. If there's anything God wants to give you, it's insight. All we have to do is want it and go after it. Man, you ought to just go, man, this whole week, whoa. You, I'm hoping that the vision of God's getting big on the inside of you. And you're going, man, I'm going to spend some time asking. And I'm going to spend some time seeking. Yeah, I might not understand how to do it. I might not even know one book of the Bible from the other, but if I get started, God will help me along the way because the Bible says here, He sees my heart, and if I've inclined my heart toward it, if I ask and if I seek, He said I'm going to find it. That's a promise for every single one of us. You're going to find it if you do that. Amen? So, I just before we go on to the next thing, I just want you to think and ask yourself this question. Am I hearing from God? Am I receiving life from the Word of God? Insight from the Word of God? Secondly, am I seeking God? Have you been seeking God? If you've been seeking God, if you've not been, maybe that's not a good sign. Am I asking God for insight? Do I, do I desire God so much? I go to His Word and I say, God, speak to me. God, give me insight. You see... That's the heart of God. We get so wrapped up in so much other stuff. But he said, you know, for those that want it, too many people don't even want it. You just say, hey, this is there for you. I'm really busy. Okay, well, you're not going to get very much because there's a certain pattern of how to get there. And I just told it to you. Anyway, and ask yourself also, am I investing my time and effort into that? Is it worth it? Is it worth you investing your time and effort into that? I mean, how can you value getting the Word of God in your heart? How can you value the life of God being in you? You see, is it worth it? Every one of us will say yes, but do you believe that in your heart? That's the question. And if you don't, I just would ask you right now, recognize that's wrong. Something's off there, and you need to adjust an attitude. In fact, right there, I just ask you, you know, before you and God, I just say, God, you know, I haven't been desiring your word. Lord, something's not right. I just want to get that right with you. And I want your word more than any other thing. I believe it was David that said that. said, Lord, I desire your word more than, more than my necessary food. You know, I, I just want your word. I love your word. And that's the way God wants us to be. Again, there's something off if we don't desire and yearn for the milk of the word of God. Paul said this too. 
uh, you know, I, I don't remember exactly how the verse is, but like yearn for the milk of the Word of God. And the point being is you're yearning for it is that it has everything to do with how much you're going to get. Your yearning for it has everything to do with how much you're going to get. And you say, well, I don't yearn for it. Well, Paul said to do it. So that means that you can make a decision to go, wait a second. I need to pull away from all this other stuff and start desiring it. Once you do that, it's going to grow. And I'll tell you this. Once you begin to hear, hear from God and that momentum happens, it's going to be amazing what happens. You'll want it more and more. You'll, be, you'll become addicted to the Word of God. Uh, the last point I want to just mention today is if you want to have spiritual momentum and increase, you have to focus. You need to focus. You can't be distracted all the time. You've got to focus. This is in Proverbs 4, 25 through 27. It says this, Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze. Fix or affix your gaze. <laughs> Directly before your eyes. So, I love the imagery here. It's just so strong, like attach your gaze. That That's like things might be happening, but I have fixed my gaze directly before you. Give careful thought to your paths or the paths of your feet and be steadfast in all your ways. Don't turn to the left, nor to the right. Remove your foot from evil. Wow. So, this proverb is emphasizing focus. And stay in the course. You know, being faithful to what you know you ought to be doing. Keeping your eyes in the right place. Do what you know you ought to be doing. Have your spiritual discipline down. Pray as you should pray. Seek the Lord as you should seek the Lord. Go to church. Um, you know, don't don't be uh, all where doing this and that and all these other little things that you could be doing and miss out on the most important things that you ought to be doing. Fix your gaze. Focus. If you don't focus, you'll never fulfill the purpose of God in your life. That's so true. You'll never fulfill what you're supposed to do in life if you never learn to focus. There's this Old Testament story where this king got this assignment from God. And he didn't do it. He didn't do what he's supposed to do. And so a prophet comes to rebuke him uh, because he, he didn't do what God told him to do. And he explains what's happening. And, and it used these words, uses these words, I was busy here and there. I was busy here and there. <laughs> and I think that's that's such a a great illustration of what I believe so many of us experience. We know what we ought to be doing. We know what our lives ought to look like. We know the path that our feet ought to be on. We know the rhythm that we ought to be having with God. But we're too busy here and there with this and with that and with every other little thing that we don't end up doing what we're supposed to be doing. I don't know how many times you just say, hey, did you, we, have you done this? Oh, I've just been so busy. Oh, I have to be busy. You don't know how busy I am. I have to do something. Da, da, da. I have to do this. I have to do that. I have to do this. I have to do that. I am so busy. I have so many things to do. That's exactly what this guy says. Right? But if you want to increase and you want to grow, you got to put that to the side and you've got to set your eyes on what you need to do, focus your eyes on what you need to do, and you need to make sure you're putting first things first and not getting so busy with life that you don't do what God wants you to do. His, his, his level of focus is tremendous. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly in front of you. Be steadfast and movable. Don't turn to the right nor to the left. That is exactly the kind of focus we're supposed to have. You might go, oh, no, I can't do that. No, everybody can do that. You're made to do that.
God will enable you to do that. And if you feel like you can't do that, all you have to do is say, God, help me. Let me get back to this thing about prayer. Prayer is so powerful. Do you know that in any issue, if you want to follow the Lord or if you want to hear the Lord, you want any breakthrough in the Lord, all you need to do is learn how to pray and ask God from the bottom of your heart. Now, if you if you are praying and you just pray sort of the top of your head and you say something, I'm not saying there's no power in that. But when you just come to God very sincerely and you just tell God, Lord, I'm dealing with this. God, please, I need your help. Help me now get over this. God hears that prayer and you hold on to God because God's hearing that and he's going to come through and and help you. So anyway, you may feel like, man, I don't feel like I'm very focused. You God will help you focus if you're willing to focus. And so today, I want you to think about your life. How focused are you? Are you focused on the Word? Are you focused on doing what you ought to be doing? Are you focused on spiritual things? Or are you distracted by life? Are you distracted by your next opportunity? The next thing you might buy. I mean, is that that your world? Now, one other thing I want to mention about focus is, to be focused, you've got to pull away from other stuff. I can't be connected to other stuff all the time and be focused. It's impossible. So I would just give you some practical wisdom here. In the morning, when you get up, have a time when it's just you and God. It can be three minutes if that's all you've got to give. But at least three. I mean, just go and just pray and say, God, I give you my day. I want you in my day. I commit this to you. I commit that to you, so to speak. You just pray and and line up this way. Clean your mind of worries. Clean your mind of discouragement. And trust God with your day. And I would encourage you to pray throughout the day. But at the end of your day, you get by yourself. Get away from TV. Get off your computer. Get off your phone, social media, whatever. And you spend time with God. Don't be thinking about your worries. Don't be thinking about another sale you need to make. Don't be thinking about something, some responsibility you have at work unless you're going to pray about it and let it go. But I'm just saying you need, to, you need to clear that out of your system. Whatever you've been thinking about, whatever worry you've got, whatever kind of ambition you've got, you know, what drive, what's driving you, pull away from that for a moment and just go, God, I'm just letting that down. You've got to detox and get that out of your system every day and just line back up to the Lord. And I'd encourage you also, you know, there's the principle of the Sabbath. And what is the Sabbath? Well, we say it's a rest. And it's not primarily a physical rest. I know it is in the Old Testament, but the big significance is, is us entering in the, the rest that we have in Christ, right? And so some days, and I believe particularly Sunday's a great day to do it, pull away from your work. Don't be thinking, oh, I've got to do this today. I've got to do that. No, you pull away from that. And and when you're pulling away, you're thinking, oh, I've got to do this again. No, say, God, I'm giving that to you. I'm not going to worry about it. Today's my day to worship. Today's my day to just enjoy God, enjoy life with God, worship, get into the Word, not get all into the, my old rhythm and things. Today's an amazing day. I'm going to enjoy God. I'm going to enjoy God with my family. I'm going to enjoy God at church. I'm going to worship. You see, if you do that and you'll pull away, God will enable you to connect in a new way. It's an amazing thing. You got to pull away if you want to focus. And you've also got to decide, God, I'm going to, I'm going to live the life. Amen. Amen. Lastly, I'll just say one other thing really quickly. Uh, You need to learn how to make a decision. That's one thing people don't do very well anymore in the church world. They don't make good decisions. They want to do something. Oh, that's a good thing. But then they don't decide to do it. How many people I've heard, this is an example. And I was using this in discipleship meeting this week with a group, a couple of guys. How many people I've heard say, oh, oh, you know, I need to go to church. There's a different thing from saying I need to go to church and deciding to go to church or whatever it is you're going to do. But I'm going to use that as an example because I can remember growing up, we didn't have to make a decision to go to church every Sunday morning. You know why? We already made the decision. I'm not going Saturday night going, oh, it's late. I think I might not go to church tomorrow. No, I already made a decision. I go to church. That's part of who I am. I go to church. I made that decision. 
So if I, my decision is, am I going to stay up late tonight and be real sleepy tomorrow when I go and not feel good? Or am I going to go to bed? But I'm going to church because I already made that decision. My decision now is, is am I going to go to bed on time or am I going to feel bad in the morning when I get up? Because I'm going to church because I made that decision. Too many people don't make the decision, and so they have to make the decision every week. Am I going to go to church today? Uh, well, if you feel like it, you won't. If you make a solid decision about whatever you're going to do in life, not just going to church or connecting on Zoom, if you make a decision, then you become so free and the character of God gets so developed in you. So in everything we've talked about today, don't just go, no, that's a good thing. I want to do more of that. No, you've got to make a decision to do it. And if you don't decide to do it, and if you're not intentional about it, it's not going to happen most of the time. Amen? So you need to make a decision. I'm going to sow. No, I'm not just, I want to sow. No, I'm going to sow. I don't know yet how. I'm going to pray that through. I'm going to write that down. I'm going to sow. I'm going to ask God, how can I sow to the Spirit this week in a new dimension? I'm going to hear. I'm going to hear. I'm going to get in this Word, and I'm going to hear something from God. I don't just want to do it. I'm going to make a decision to do it, and I'm going to do it. I'm going to walk this thing out, and I'm going to focus this week. I'm not just going to, oh, I wish I were better. No, I'm going to do it. I'm get home. When I get home, I'm going to pull away a few minutes and I'm going to just spend time with God. I'm going to line up with God. When I get up in the morning, I'm going to line up with God. I just don't want to think, oh, that's a good idea. No, I'm going to make a decision. I'm going to do it. So if you make a decision and you just say, I'm going to let my yes be yes and my no, no, you'll become a man or woman of an amazing character. Man, that is, let your word and your decision be your bond, right? You say you're going to do something. You tell God you're going to do something. You do it, right? And uh, if you make a decision, your life will change. All of this stuff, James goes, you know what? You can know everything and say, oh, that's good. That's a good word. That's a good thing. He says, until you do it, it doesn't do you a bit of good. It doesn't do you any good to know something and not practice it. And I'm telling you, I told you things from the Word of God today. Many people won't even do a thing about it. Oh, that was nice to hear. Few people are going to go, you know what? I'm going to make a decision to put that into practice. That's what I'm asking you to do. You will definitely benefit from it. Father, so we thank you, Lord God, for today. Thank you for your Word. Lord, And we thank you that you've given us tools for spiritual momentum and increase. Through sowing, through doing the Word of God, we thank you that blessings come back our way through giving ourselves to the Word, seeking the Word, asking, seeking, as we're looking for silver, God, the Word of God's going to begin to be enlightened to us. Not only that, it's going to just be given to us. It's going to just multiply back after we do that. And Lord, we thank you that as we focus, as we focus, Lord, our intensity is going to just be so amazing and, and it's going to um, cause things to happen. Focus brings so much power to things. And we thank you, Lord God, this week, we're going to learn how to utilize these truths and we're going to benefit from them. We want to take advantage of these laws. So we commit ourselves to you, Lord, and help us to walk this out. Teach us also how to pray. God, help us to pray this week sincerely because it doesn't matter. I want to encourage everybody as you're praying, as we're praying right now, it doesn't matter how weak you are, how out in left field, you might feel like you are. You don't even understand spiritual things or whatever. God knows exactly where you are. All you have to do is be sincere and want it and just ask him. It's amazing what he can do. You just got to trust in him. Put your eyes on him. Take your eyes off of you and watch what your God is able to do. Amen. Father, we thank you for this week. Bless us. Be with us. Protect us from evil and bring us into your blessings, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.